Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host as usual and uh, tonight I've got Jez and I've got Phil joining me. Good evening to you both. Good evening. Hello. We are, we're going to jump straight into the content because uh, there's so little of it going on at the moment. If we don't talk about it, it'll soon be whisked away from living memory, which possibly the, uh, the, 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 the final that we witnessed um, I think witnessed is, is the line I'm going to go down. Mm. The, uh, the Coupe de la Ligue final between PSG and Lyon is going to be our, our first topic of conversation. The, uh, the game ended in, in 90 minutes at nil-nil. Wasn't a huge amount of sort of uh, goal, goal mouth action in, in terms of the, the main 90 minutes. Yes, there was a few, few momentary moments, but not a huge amount going on. Extra time also finished nil-nil and it was left to penalties where PSG were a flawless six out of six and unfortunately for for the unfortunate man Bertrand Traore was that man who missed the key spot kick for Lyon and ultimately PSG take the trophy uh, will take what could well be the final trophy of the uh, Coupe de la Ligue as of course the tournament has now ended. Um, Phil, I, I will start with you. As I say, it wasn't a classic. I'm not saying it was the worst game I've ever seen in the world, and you don't have to have goals for it to be a good game, but it just wasn't a particularly classic, entertaining affair with these two teams you normally associate with with goals. Yeah, you, you, you expect a little bit more oomph, I think, and, and we were kind of lacking in oomph uh, throughout... Um, what I thought was interesting was um, that in terms of the shots, it was 11-15. So Leon shooting more, but in terms of shots on target and level saves made, it was 6-4. Um, I think the primary thing I felt was um, going into you know extra time, I was, in a sense, hoping it would end nil-nil because... I felt much more confident about Lopez in a penalty shootout than I did about Navas. And it was, in fact, Navas that made the save from Traore and and Lopez didn't get to any of his. So it felt felt a little bit strange. I mean, looking at the... um, uh, Look at the L'Equipe tops and flops, they do a poll afterwards. So uh, the votes were for uh, the top players Lopez on 37% Marco Verratti on 22 and Navas on 17% I think having both goalkeepers in the top three tells you something about the game Um, and so it really was quite an odd game I think in in that sense Um, PSG really lifted their XG in extra time and that's where Lopez had most of his work to do but just in the in the penalty shootout it was it was not his day and Navas made a good save from Traore and Sarabia took the one that won it. So, yes, it felt like I'm looking back at my notes and it feels like a lot happened in my notes, but not a lot happened in my memory. No. You see what I mean? Um, things like um, early on, Depay had a shot laughably wide and a cross laughably wide going into half time. And it felt like um, Marco Verratti obviously was the real metronome in P- for PSG again. Um, so it was not something where there was a lot of 
you know, um, sort of focused attacking intent. And that's going to be something of interest to both of them as they head off to wherever and their next matches. Yeah, yeah, exactly. On Lopez, I must admit, I, I'm still quite surprised that he's uh, he's not courted by bigger clubs. You see Chelsea obviously mm. in, the, in the mix for a goalkeeper and talking about Andre Onana. I think Lopez is twice the goalkeeper here, so quite surprised he's still there. Jez, in terms of the, the overall, obviously feel free to give your thoughts on the final as well. Phil mentioned Marco Verratti, who we will probably come on to a little bit more um, with, with sort of breaking news that we'll come on to, but... He was fantastic in, in the centre of the park. I thought he was really, really good quality in, in terms of on the ball. I was actually quite impressed with, with Leon's uh, young player, um, Kekere, who we've, we've seen sort of get a little bit more game time towards the back end of the season. But with, with um, I, the name escapes me, Hertha Berlin signing Luka Tussar, now he's moving on. I wonder if he might get some more game time. What was your overall impression of the level that PSG failed to hit in this game, in my opinion, based upon the fact they've got this big European tie coming up? And, and as I say, your thoughts on the final as a, as a spectacle as a whole. In terms of the, the, the match as a, as a spectacle, I think it, it wasn't great. Um, as in, it wasn't particularly exciting, but it was also, it was kind of, not intriguing, but it was good to see it... Um, Lyon again sort of fronting up to PSG, giving them something a little bit different to, to kind of contend with. Um, and there was, I think it was one of the matches last year during the season, Lyon were un like against PSG and just came to sort of grab a point if possible and, and almost managed it if it wasn't for a late Neymar winner. Um, and I think quite rightly, I think it was still under Silvino and they got a lot of stick because there was a, a sort of feeling of, you know, we're, we're Lyon. Okay, obviously we're a smaller team compared to PSG because everyone is, but we're not a small club. We shouldn't be sort of playing PSG hoping for a point. So it was good to see Lyon sort of going for it again. And also, for the most part, I mean, I think at the end of each half, I thought PSG sort of, um, got got back on top and that, that might be down to the fact that um, I feel like they're a little bit further in their preparations and, and Lyon looked to be tiring more but for the most part I think um, Lyon were relatively comfortable um, PSG got, got a decent number of shots away and there are a couple of very good saves from, from Lopez but um, I didn't think it wasn't like Lyon were kind of you know hanging on and, and sort of on the rack mm. or anything like that um, but I, I, I mean, as usual, I think I mentioned it last week as well. I just, I think that the French press and the French media are a little bit too harsh. Most cup finals in every country are crap. If you want to <laughs> match, watch the semi-final. If you want to watch final, I mean, you know, last night, for example, the playoff final was awful because there's so much at stake. And um, Coupe de la Ligue isn't quite, um, you know, the richest match in in football TM, but but still. A lot of a lot of finals are, are damp squibs, and it's only in France that they sort of really lay into into their own teams again. Mm. Um, as a sort of general thing for PSG, I think again it's difficult to judge because again this is not their priority. Um, you take sort of the three matches: the Coupe de France final, Coupe de la Ligue final, and the um, Champions League quarter final. I think Coupe de la Ligue is very much in third place. 
um, Coupe de France still has a little bit more um, sort of kudos attached to it, but effectively they're both warm-ups for for the big match next week. So I think it's on one side it's difficult to expect PSG to kind of really get up to sort of full intensity for a match like that. But on the other hand, there were still sort of relatively worrying trends. The main one of which is that Verratti aside, there isn't much of a midfield going on at the moment. Um, and, and I think that's a, a concern. I mean, Gay seems to have lost all form. Paredes, I think, is improving a little bit, but he's still not really the, the player that they invested in. Um, obviously, they don't have a Kouassi that could come in and, and, and sort of uh, be the, the sitting player and, and free those in front of him. And so it felt a little bit like Verratti was having to do everything, the sort of covering back and the creation. Mm. And... Um, yeah, again, like last week, there wasn't much transition between defence and attack. I wanted to just quickly ask you, just because just you mentioned it there, what do you make of this, the, the rumours or discussion that that uh, Idrissa Gay might be moved on this summer? Because I found that really straight. Like you said, Paredes, for me, would be the, the standout player that would move on. Julian Draxler seems to be relegated to Waterboy. Um, God, obviously, he's still there, isn't he? Yeah, exactly. Cavani and Thiago Silva, we know, moving on. I just sort of feel like... Idrissa Gay is the sort of midfielder of that bit of dynamism that complements Ferrati. Were you a bit surprised by that talk of they might be willing to move him on? I think his, his form has just seems seems to have fallen off a cliff. I think he might have got like a two in the in the, mm-hmm. or two or three in the in Lekip's ratings. And um, I mean, I think there's an element of the the problem that Chelsea are having with Conte at the moment that yeah. they're not entirely sure what his position should be and how best to use him I don't think that helps but um, certainly I don't, I don't think that he's sort of met the expectations that PSG fans had when he arrived so I can understand to a point the idea of moving him on but I'm not sure they're going to get that much money for him and I'm not sure who they're going to get in to replace him so Mm. um, I don't know if it's the wisest move No, no, it seemed like a bit of a weird one Um, Phil, you had had a a bit of uh, sort of an an issue with in terms of the the, the pass maps and the the tactical (laughs) side of the game which I know Jazz may not always necessarily agree with so what what was your point on that in in the final? Icardi I mean I appreciate what what Jez was saying before we started recording. He's not that kind of player, but why buy him to not pass to him? But yes, I was looking at the pass maps from between the posts and the Leon pass map is a very nice, uh, organised sort of diagram for what was going on. And in the PSG one, Icardi was spent so much time in midfield hanging about looking for the ball waiting for somebody and it just never really happened I mean I I asked during the game what does he actually do and Matt Richards came back and said cost a lot of money and I think you mentioned Cavani earlier now Cavani may have been sort of laughed at a bit for shanking the occasional shot and for being so serious all the damn time but you saw the PSG fans loved him because he worked really hard and he tried really hard and he seemed to be able to function in their system, whereas Icardi just looks lost. 
um, you know, he's bang next to Verratti in these pass maps with basically no passes going to him. I mean, I appreciate maybe that's not his fault, but that is a bad look. And, you know, maybe they are going to really miss Cavani next season. Or, indeed, he's gone already, hasn't he? Um, yeah. in, um In the Champions League matches. Because you can just see Cavani, you know absolutely busting a blood vessel in the Champions League matches and maybe getting something. And Cardi, you can't, you can't see, I think. And that's an issue for them. Yes, Mbappe's brilliant. Yes, Neymar's brilliant. Yes, Di Maria's brilliant. But ugh, yeah. there's, there's, something, there's something still missing there, which seems a stupid thing to say, given all the money and the stars and the whatever. But there is still something missing and maybe it Cavani's going to be the whole Joni Mitchell you don't know what you've got till it's gone thing. yeah that, that, that sort of transit I, I do want to transition and apologies to PSG fans listening all four of you will be upset with this but um Jazz I do want to sort of move this into seamlessly into the, the kind of preview of the Atalanta game because for me PSG since the restart have the look of a side that has essentially Took, took the two cup finals, not for granted in terms of they didn't turn up, but they, they weren't at full tilt. And they look like a side to me that has got all the focus on this Champions League game. And with Icardi, it's, to me, it's, it's more about the fact they're not feeding him. And with Cavani moving on and, and Icardi being the, the sort of the, the replacement, if you like, with Mbappe being injured and the next in line being, uh, God bless him, Eric Chupamoting, is there a bit of a hole for PSG to fill in that? Is, is this the risk when you have players like Mbappe and the way he plays? If he picks up an injury, then you suddenly are very reliant on Amaro Icardi, who, yeah, when he's good, he's very, very good. But he is a striker that, ask Inter fans, I am one, he has to, he has to be fed. He's not a player who's going to create something out of nothing and, and, and go on a mazy dribble. Maybe Neymar is that player, but when he's not on it, which we know he's not, is that a bit of a risk going into this tie that PSG might not have enough to outfire Atalanta? Um, most most teams don't have enough to outfire Atalanta at the moment. <laughs> True. I think the um, I don't think it's not a hole as long as Tuchel is adaptable. Um, Icardi is a classic fox in the box. He's not going to. Mm create anything he's not out of nothing he's gonna pop up in the six yard box and and you know most of his goals will not make any kind of goal of the season competition but he scores a lot of them as long as he receives a service and to receive that service he needs balls in the box he needs balls coming from from wide oh, but um, there, there was uh like five minutes before half time Neymar put a great cross in and there was nobody there it was basically square. I mean, Danea did a good job on, on marshalling things, but Icardi just kind of jogged up after it rather than being on the end of it. It's If he's going to be that player, he has to take those chances. He has to at least show that he's trying and that seemed to be missing. Sure, but I mean, if we're going to condemn players just for missing one chance, then we say mm. we're talking about Cavani needing to come back. Yeah. I think no, the, I prob- the problem is more 
whether Tuchel is willing to to change the system a little bit and to provide more width. Part of the problem with that, obviously, is that Di Maria got himself stupidly suspended. So he won't be playing against Atalanta, which could be a very big loss, considering the, the form that he's been in the last couple of, of seasons. But also, again, I mean, this is a sort of perfect opportunity for PSG. They've got uh, arguably the, the one-match format suits them. They've certainly got the better side of the draw. And top teams and trophy-winning teams raise themselves for the big occasion. So, you know, Icardi is a top striker. He'll be forgiven for a couple of poor matches if he pops up with a um, a winner in yep. this match, even if it yep. sort of comes off his ass on the on the one yard line or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Likewise, you know, Neymar is all very well doing all these little rainbow flicks and things against um, you know some kid making his debut for Saint-Étienne and then rolling around as usual like he's been shot or whatever, but he's going to be judged on what he does next week. And we do know that he's got the quality and we know that in the last couple of years he's been um, unlucky to, to miss out on, on this later stage in the competition. So, you know, again, every in a lot of ways, everything has been set up for PSG this year and, and it's up to that, you know, apart from the news today with Verratti but um, I don't think they're going to get much of a better chance I think they're in a bit of transition now so mm. I really think that at least for the next year or two this is the best chance they're going to get mm. and that that news that has come out by the way we should touch on is the fact that Marco Verratti has a potentially a calf injury which is going to rule him out of this game we, we should we should say from the other flip side um Josip Ilicic, who's very much fundamental and, and very key to a lot of what Atalanta have done brilliantly this season, is, is currently on on uh, on leave um, due to personal reasons that we won't go into. Um, so he's going to miss this tie. That's a massive advantage, I think, to PSG. He scored four against Valencia in the last round. So, I mean, that that's a key thing. But is, is it kind of all on this for, for PSG, Phil? And we'll come on to Leon in a minute, but just to wrap up PSG, yeah, it, they, they won't get a better chance, will they? Let's be honest. I mean, A, it has to be, because it's been what they've been after forever. And it, the last couple of seasons, it feels like their Champions League exits have been made, in a sense, more hilarious for the people who wish them ill because of the fact that it's clearly so important for them. They walk the league, they get the cups. Is it a treble or a quadruple they've got this year? I can't remember what happened in the trophy des champions uh, quadruple technically yeah yeah, yeah whatever it, yeah. I, but you know this is this is normal so the thing they're aiming for is the European title and you know I think a lot of people given how things have panned out over the past particularly two seasons people are watching this kind of with popcorn going right how are they going to fuck this up this year and Playing Atalanta is uh, potentially potentially problematic there. So I think, yeah, the fact that they've got, you know, the good half of the draw, as it were, um, that, in a sense, doesn't really matter because you're always going to be waiting for something to go wrong. I think what Jess said about it being, you know, um, one-off matches... For the quarterfinals, semi-finals will suit them. 
uh, because there's no chance to kind of screw up a, a remontada again. But I'm still very nervous about watching watching that situation. So you know, we will uh, we will have to see. But yeah. yeah, it's 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 what they want. It's the it's it's their precious. So. Yeah. It does. It does feel like it. Just sort of feels like this is this is their time, and and it, it would be hugely ironic if PSG were to win the Champions League this year, the year where basically everybody's saying anybody wins anything this year, it doesn't really count. Um, it does. It does count a lot. Fourteen times. Anyway, just moving on to Leon. Um, I feel like this tie is kind of being swept under the rug as well. Juventus are through, let's move on, everybody put the cat out at last thing at night. I don't think it I don't think it is. Do you do you sort of share my optimism optimism, sorry, slash stupidity? I don't know which one of the two it is, but I haven't been particularly impressed by Juventus under Saria. I know they've won Serie A, but it, it, you know, we follow a league where everyone mocks it being a one team league. Well Serie A is not far off that if if not worse. I, I still feel like Leon have got a good chance here, and I, I don't know why I do. I just feel like they're being written off too easily. Is that fair, or do you think Juve have got a fairly good chance of just walking all over them in the second leg? I don't think they'll walk all over them. I mean, I, I think narrow lead and, and playing at home um, for what it's worth with no with no fans. I think that they've got to still be sorry a narrow deficit. Uh, Juventus have got to still be favourites, but I, yeah, I, I definitely can see Lyon springing a surprise here. Um, I thought, considering obviously where they've come from, which is not playing for two or three months, I, th- I th- thought they looked, they did look pretty assured against PSG. Mm. Um, that midfield or front five on its day can be a match for most teams I think um, Dembele was very disappointing the other day I mean but again similar to Icardi you expect a bit more from Dembele I think because you're expecting him to do a little bit more sort of hold up and, and bringing teammates into the game he wasn't great but you know Gimari, Shalouar and, and Kakare if they're the ones that, that are fielded at um, on, on Friday, then, you know, I think that's a really formidable front five. I think the the, the back three seems to suit Lyon. Um, by all accounts, Dybala is the player that you vent, that makes Juventus tick, however much Ronaldo would like to think it was him. And um, he, I think, is going to be fit, which is a little bit of a blow for, PS, uh, for Lyon. But I, I definitely... I, definitely think they can really give Juventus a, a tough game. I've got a feeling from memory Juventus maybe lost their last two league matches and you know certainly the last match they were resting most of the first team but they haven't been impressive even you know it's strange because b- before lockdown they looked like they were in a real title fight and in the end they won the title quite comfortably but I think that was more other teams dropping points and, and Lazio certainly being a little bit unlucky with injuries. I don't think Juve have, have convinced at all. I think they're in some kind of weird transition as well, where they've got they brought in a, a coach that, that to play a certain way, but at the moment he doesn't have the team to, to play the way he wants to. So I think there's a, um, a sort of dissonance there. Um, obviously, there's always the Ronaldo factor, which is that in, you know, in his eyes, everything should be geared towards him. And whereas Sari 
for me is a very sort of you know team based eleven player based outlook. So um, I think there's a little bit of inherent tension there. So um, I don't think this is a vintage Juventus. I'm not sure I agree with um, Bruno Guimaraes, who in an interview in L'Equipe today said that he thinks they can win the Champions League. I wouldn't go that far. But I can see... You've got to love his attitude. (laughs) Yeah. Optimistic, yeah. But I can see them springing a surprise this um, and and possibly getting through to the quarters. Mm. Yeah, I I share that. Yeah. Do you you feel the same, Phil? I think, you know, um, looking at, you know, they they've been off for how long and and so now this is like dumped back in at the deep end in the midway but i was saying you know early on in the cup final um the corner hour kind of axis on the on the left side because i was looking at corner going is he a wing back um that actually really took you know gave it some vim and you got Dubois on the right i think yeah the three at the back situation does suit them very well and Lopez, you know, regardless of uh, not making a save this time, is a very good goalkeeper. And if, you know, Ronaldo is going to do his normal, I'm on free kicks, lads, then, you know, hopefully um, Lopez will, you know, eat that up. So I'm just really interested to actually see this game and how, how it pans out with, you know, champions who've, seem to have put the brakes on in the league because they didn't have to do otherwise. It's Leon who are still obviously really, really up for for something. Um, that this is, you know, going to be a very interesting game. But yeah, I think they're you know, they've got a they've got a chance. They just need to make sure well, apart from the others, don't play Raphael. Fucking liability. Um, but yeah, they've they're good in all positions, but is it that they can be great in those? They're going to have to have a good. They're going to have to have a good night uh, to make this work. But you know, that's a, that's a possibility. We will have a profile a preview. Sorry, from Tarek, hopefully on Friday, which is the day of their game, so you can look forward to more slightly fretful uh, analysis from him <laughs> yeah um when that comes in should be good yeah we'll certainly be watching both of the the ties so we will keep you abreast I, of what happens go on Jess. can i just mention two other leon players or <clears throat> two that are there and two that aren't firstly i think it's really good to see that tiago mendez looks to be back in his little form yeah agree pretty bad season last year but I think that would be good for obviously him and obviously Leon if he can maintain that the other one I thought Toko Ekambi absolutely dire when he came on mm. and I just what the fuck were Leon thinking getting rid of both Guerri and Terrier I just and for so little money I just I mm. really don't understand it and I don't understand that club has run so well for so long and I don't get what's happening there no, no. That that Leon sort of squad to me feels a little bit, just a little bit like there's a few that probably need to move on for the sake of their and Leon's futures. Like that. just a few that have gone. I don't want to use the word stale, but I'm going to use the word stale. You know, just just that have been there a bit a bit too long. I, I sort of look at Traore. I look at um, Corne. I look at 
Uh, oh, back who's no completely Mark Marcel and what what he went through last season. I can't. Very few come back from that kind of sort of situation. I don't know. I just feel like they may, might need a bit of a refresh. But with with mm. Olas in charge, I wonder how much a refresh they're going to get. If and at they're, all. they're not going to be able to do anything by Friday, which is no, main, no, of course, main yeah, point. So what what they've got right now is, this, is what they've the, got. I mean, just. This is kind of a slight sideline, but the the timing of the Europa League and the Champions League and the uh, renewal of the league and the transfer window dates, this must make transfer business so difficult for the mm. clubs that are still in this because, you know, we're, we're midway through August and they're going to have, they can't buy any... It's it's very strange. I mean, I know you shouldn't be able to buy new players to play in what should be the end of the season, but you know what I mean. It, yeah. It's a very compressed schedule from an admin point of view, which is obviously something I pay a lot of attention to. This is um this is another thing that, that mm. I wanted to, to ask you both about. Jess, there's been a another conf- or co- is it a couple of confirmed COVID cases in in France in the last twenty four hours. And yet the season is supposed to begin in you know, what we little under three weeks now. Is there a, a bit of a concern that, that we are still getting sort of new cases, if you will, that there's quite a high rate coming, still coming out of Spain. It is now talk that certain players are actively looking at their careers in terms of certain players, for example, that, that may have gone to MLS for, for example, recently, and now looking at America and going, well, sub that for a game of Cowboys, I'm not going over there. Is, is there a bit of a danger that, that France will have its market further trimmed by the fact that there are still active cases being established, particularly when the season is, is on the brink of return? I'm not sure about the effect on, um, on transfers. I'm just slightly concerned about how and when the season managers to start I mean mm. um, in a way what's going on kind of proves the French authorities right because COVID's still happening and the players are or clubs are still suffering from positive cases but yeah. it's bizarre that it's happening in France and, and not elsewhere unless yeah. possibly France are just being more open I wouldn't That's, be surprised if that was yeah. the case I and mean, they're not bless them they're you know in many ways still a lot more naive than and less cynical than certain other leagues mm. um but yeah you look at you know there's been several positive cases at strasbourg and nantes and montpellier um strasbourg and montpellier obviously played each other recently which you know mm-hmm. maybe accounts for something um mole allegedly is is one of those he's got it now um and you wonder how the season's going to be able to begin if if this kind of thing carries on for the next three weeks or so. Um, I mean, I, just, I think the whole... I just love the players sort of jumping all over each other, where it, whether it's sort of, you know, for corners or after someone scores or, you know, when they win a trophy or something. And after all that happens and, you know, the, the coaches are diving in with the players as well. And then the two coaches do their stupid touching elbows thing and the substitutes still have to sit five <laughs> chairs away from each other. Yeah. yeah, The whole thing's just a joke, I think. And yeah. I don't think anyone really, you know, 
obviously it goes higher than football but government as well it just feels like it's guesswork by everyone on a daily basis yeah um, mm. and I, I don't know what's going to happen with football I literally sort of from one day to the next I, keep, I still keep changing my mind about whether France did the right thing to end the season um, when they did and, and like I said these these cases suggest that maybe they were right to um, but then if they stopped it because of coronavirus and clearly it's still very relevant and prevalent then should it be starting again in three weeks time yeah um, that's obviously that opens up a, a another huge sort of can of worms so yeah that, that's that's my that was what i was gonna come to you with that that very point phil in terms of obviously you're in france i mean is it is it sort of being addressed or is it is it even a, a relevant thing because it feels to me like we're all kind of sat here merrily laughing at what's going on in America. And I don't mean laughing at the severity of the case, it's more laughing at the the, the tangerine-shaped uh, thing. Also, omni-shambles of the way it's being managed. Yeah, that's being managed, exactly. Uh, Whereas in, you know, as, as just said, France are very quick to make their decision. Um, I think we, we, we saw something recently where we had the déconfinement after lockdown and then masks were made mandatory in all covered spaces and i think that was because the the unlocking uh made a couple of people nervous we weren't actually seeing uh, a big uptick in cases but they made masks mandatory to try to help control that um and what we've seen recent uh recently is while there have been more cases they have been clusters and so that also really screws the r number because if you've only got 10 people who were who were um, testing positive and they infect two people it, you know it's it's much more difficult to get a decent r number off a small infected population so we saw like um uh, near me there was a, a crash where uh there were like dozens of cases connected to the crash because one person came in and infected everybody else so the clustering does seem to be an issue and as as just said Montpellier and Strasbourg did play each other so potentially that may have had an impact so I think it's being taken very seriously in should we say policy terms how seriously it's been taken on the ground is obviously you know whereabouts in France are you but um, I think now the league really they probably have to stick to their guns because they're already copying some flack although I agree with Jess I think they did the right thing but they're copying some flack for having uh, called the league when you know the Bundesliga and then the other leagues came back um, so I think they maybe don't want to seem to be doing that again and now they've announced the calendar rolling back from that would maybe be a bit of a PR issue but yeah I mean if you've got some clubs that can't effectively function if they've got you know uh, a, a significant number of players under quarantine or under treatment then it will be a bit weird but now they've organised it, they can't just maybe shift everything back a couple of weeks. That would be an absolute 
again with the admin, a nightmare. And well, what, what gets me with that is, obviously France were, were very quick to call off the leagues, yet they're the first league, or I say first league, the first major league to have small crowds back in. So it's sort of like, to me, it kind of, it's almost like when they started letting small crowds in, like the PSG game that we saw recently, it's almost like they kind of took the criticism on board mm. of being, oh, well, you called your league early, it was way too early, that was stupid. And they've always gone, well, we'll show you, we'll be the first first uh, I, league to have small crowds in. I, I do think there's a degree of um, non-sport politics. And financial possibly. No, no, n- not financial because 5,000 people in a stadium that seats 60,000 is probably going to cost you money. Mm. Um, it's more uh, we fortunately not had the Gilles Jones to deal with for the past year or so. Um, uh, six months. But it's it's the freedom issue. Mm. Um, the possibility of people getting way more cross <laughs> and therefore causing it. causing trouble. Mm. Uh, I don't think we've had any uh, protests over here about wearing masks or anything like that. But no, that's just you in know, Britain. Don't worry that's about that. Just that's just in Britain. Yeah, that's, but, that's just no. Here. It's in Germany as well, apparently. <laughs> yeah. uh, but in France, if you want to curtail people's freedoms, then you 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 need to expect uh, you know a manif to turn up at some point. So I yeah. think possibly this was to try to show goodwill um, and get people back on side. So yeah. we'll have to see how it goes. Obviously. It is, it's mysterious how the, um, the, the the biggest financial league in the world in terms of the Premier League has, has all of a sudden had no cases at all announced. Funny that, isn't it? I do think there's a lot of PR spin going on in the leagues uh, across the country. Um Jez, I wanted to ask you just in terms of where we are at the moment uh, with regards to the leagues being Phil touched there, the transfer window being open. And I don't want to turn this into sort of who goes where and for how much, but we've seen uh, quite a few of the clubs. Oh, be please active. do, Chris. I don't get any of that. On no, you don't get any of those questions. Do you? <laughs> um, but but as usual, there, there's a lot of talk about which players will be taken from Liga. We've seen Victor Osimhen complete his move to Napoli this week. <laughs> Uh, Lille are now quoting apparently 70 million for Renato Sanchez. Uh, yeah, which is interesting. Gabriel right. is now being heavily linked with Arsenal, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense, but I think that's more of a, a bidding war. Do you expect a lot of business to be done, Jez, in terms of, I say, we've seen players coming into Liga. Do you expect there to be any particular high profile players leaving Liga this, this summer? Yeah, I do. I think Gabriel's the. Well, like you said, Ozzyman's already gone. I think Gabriel will go. I think a couple more from Lille could go. Um, I think Arwa could still go. I think Dembele and Depay could still go, especially as it looks like Lyon aren't going to get Europe, unless Gimarish is right about yeah, the Champions yeah. League. Um, trying to think what other big names. But yeah, I think it will be mm. maybe less so than previous years, but... I'm sure the whole league will be gutted again. And remember, it's not even just... Um, also, you know, there's players like Malang Sar, who we already know are going to leave. Um, trying to think who else today someone was linked with. Oh, Badia Shile was linked with several different teams, depending on which outlet you believe. So, yeah, I'm sure it's going to be the same. And it, It's not even just 
you know, the big teams and the big leagues anymore. The, the fact is Ligue 1 can't compete with the championship. So that's why no. you've got, um, you know, players going to Brentford or Cardiff or Bristol City. Mm. Um, and I just, I, from, you know, it's La Ligue des Talons. It's great to see more young kids give, being given the chance as a result of what happens. But, you know, as usual, every year, it's just really, really frustrating to see all these players leaving. Mm. Um, you know, people like, I Nuri, who could who could well go from Angers, for example. Everyone's you know, looking at him. There's so many players. Diallo from Mess will probably go, and it's almost like a kind of a, an attitude thing. And I'm not saying that Diallo has shown any bad attitude, but it's kind of like I don't know. It's just you don't. I know it's it's kind of on social media on Twitter. You see it all the time, like from fans of English clubs kind of saying um, you know this players for whatever foreign team is having a great season they're ready for the Premier League or you know <laughs> in the yeah. up and things like that it's you like Liga it is club. training wheels or something yeah. yeah you expect it from partisan fans of those English clubs to an extent it's you know and it's a sort of follow-on from you know, the, the best league in the world and Gary Lineker, you know, someone scores a great goal. It's not a great goal. It's a great advert for the Premier League and all this kind of shit. But it, it has kind of seeped in. And like, like I said last week, and I've already said today, I think part of the problem is the way that Ligue 1 and the Premier League, for example, are portrayed by the French media. And they don't do themselves any favours. Mm. You just feel like everything is a stepping stone. And... and which is fair enough to an extent, but it just, I just think it's a pity that it's so ingrained. You know, Diallo's had a great season, so he now deserves to leave, kind of thing. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> he's mess he's have earned helped, his mess parole. Have shown loads of patience with Diallo. Yeah. Um, and so they deserve for him to stay for a couple more seasons or something. And like I said, I'm not slagging off Diallo at all, but it's just that kind of ingrained yeah. attitude that no one even expects a player to stay for a couple of years. Even this whole bon de sortie not notion of, you know, giving a player permission to, to leave in the summer if they get a good offer or something like that. Why? Why Why are we even speaking in those terms? Why, why do the whole media, why do clubs abroad even need to know that this player is particularly available. Let them come to your club. Let them put and in pay a bit. big money. Let I mean, them, you know, turn around and say no, they're not for sale. Like, you know, give them, you know, test their metal sort of thing. I just think it's a pity that I think it's getting better in the sense that you know you look at the money that Lily's making out of the Premier League, for example, at the moment, <laughs> and you think, well, at least we're not undervaluing the players like we used to, which is good. Yeah. But still, I just feel like the whole league is. I don't think there's enough self-respect. Mm. Yeah, I, I do tend to agree with that. And why, why is it as well that you look at a team, Lille is the one I, I'll pick on in particular here. So they, they have a, a, fan, a fantastic season last year. That's off the back of... Um, Arsenal. Yeah, off the back of Arsenal. And, and, well, when I say fantastic season last year, I probably should have said fantastic season two years ago. And then last year they consolidated off the back of losing Pepe, probably the, the most important player that previous season. And then now all of a sudden, again this summer, it's like everybody, you know, fire sell, everybody's up for up for grabs. I mean, the, the Gabriel one, I, I'm not sure I fully understand 
the, the link to Arsenal, obviously being an Arsenal fan, I sort of look at it and go, he's 22, we've just signed uh, Saliba, and, and you sort of look at Gabriel and you think, unless Arsenal going down this route of young players all the way through, it seems like an odd deal because we don't have a lot I'd of money. I'd definitely rather have David Luiz and Mustafi in my team any day. Over Gabriel? I'm being sarcastic. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to check, just in case, because I was about to cut this podcast off and throw myself off the bridge. But um, right. <clears throat> yeah, it's it does seem like a weird one. I mean, sure, surely Leo would command a big fee. And last time I checked, we don't have a lot of money um, to the point where we've let 55 of our staff go. Yeah, I was about to so say. I don't really understand news. the link. Yeah. And, 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 and yeah, keep other... paying David Luiz. Yeah, and yet on the other hand, Lille are, are quoting team 70 million from Renato Sanchez. And don't get me wrong, he was very good last year, but 70 million quid's worth? Nah. I mean, if that was all us, you'd go, okay, I'll get that. But when it's Lille's owners, I, I don't know. It I think make a possibly sense. they're looking at all us because, as Joe said, a couple of maybe six, seven years ago, I hmm. used to look at the transfer, I do the data on the transfers in and out of Liga. And you'd be selling really, really good players for between two and eight million quid. It's like they hadn't realised if they sold them to to England, they could charge more than that. And I think Olas was the one that really put his foot down and said, nope, we want X, we want Y, we want 30, 40, 50. And people kind of looked at him and went, hmm, he's gone a bit crazy. Um, but he was right. He was, as Jess said, valuing per the European market, not the French market. I think, you know, what do we, we sell? Mounier for two million or something like that. So I think the the next step in having self-respect is not selling the players at all because you want to keep hold of them, as Jess was saying. But the whole thing of, um, you know, if Leela kind of putting big price tags on people, maybe they've learned. Mm. a little bit they may not be doing it in as canny a way as all us would be because they may be overvaluing some players and whatever but they are at least going we are in this weird market where a hundred million quid is apparently nothing Mm. so let's um let's stick a, a price tag on and see who bites yeah, you know yeah. they're not necessarily going to sell these people. It just it just strikes that me maybe negotiation. One. This is basically maison avant. It, it um, might also be the players as well. I mean, market. Yeah. If, if if you're Gabriel, I mean, let, let's not forget this is a defender who had a very good season last year, but was on loan at I believe it was Dynamo Zagreb the previous season. I think it was. Jeez. You know, this, he, he's had one very good season. Maybe the idea that an Arsenal or a Manchester United are trying to sign you is too good to turn down. Same yeah. with Oxman and, and Napoli. So maybe there's the player element, but you know, you look at a side like Leo and, and again, I look at, at, at Ligue 1 right now, PSG obviously are far and away gone in the distance, but I don't really see a natural second place team right now. Monaco are steadily mm. rebuilding. Um, you know, Lyon are, are sort of in that transition phase. I, I look at Bordeaux. Marseille and Marseille. Yeah, Marseille and Marseille. I look at Bordeaux potentially needing to do a lot to change their fortunes, maybe looking at their manager for a start. Um, you know, that, it strikes me that there's there's a real opportunity. If you do good business this summer, maybe Nice are the ones that have done the best business so far. There's an opportunity to... to it sounds silly to say be second, 
but who knows with this that's a champions in. league place exactly and, and yeah that's knows? potential money yeah it just yeah. seems like a bit of a weird one yeah. um yeah it does does seem like a bit of a strange one just quickly just just on gabriel because we i imagine we might get a slight peak in listenership this week if we uh put him in the title of the podcast <laughs> um, okay make it note. But what 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 do you whether it be Arsenal or, or Manchester United? I mean, a who do you think is the better fit, and and b what's what what does someone get in terms of this player? Should he come in? Because I say one good season, he was very good last year. But is is he ready for a step up to the to sort of Premier League level, quote unquote? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's excellent. I don't agree with you. Um, <laughs> I um, he's he's left footed as well, which I yeah. Think is something that a lot of clubs are looking for for balance. I think he's quick, he's strong. Um, I really think he's like pretty much the whole package. Um, mm. I think I think it's been a couple of seasons at Lille now, isn't it? Um, yeah, I'm sure he went on. Lo- I may be making this up, so if I am, I apologise. No, he did, but I think he's been back longer than longer than you longer think. Than the one year, okay, yeah. Um, I yeah, he basically pushed out pushed the club captain out of the squad. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, I rate him really highly and, and whoever he joins, I, th- I think he'd be an excellent signer. Mm-hmm. But you can stick with your clown if you want. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm, I, I think That's... Gabriel has, has potentially got... I think the, the main thing I can't get my head around is, is that potentially Arsenal are trying to sign another left-footed centre-half when they've already just signed, you know, one of the most courted left-footed centre-halves in Europe and we've basically got a squad of 57 defenders right now which just seems a little bit of a weird one. Just four um, fewer than Brighton have at the moment. There is that, yeah, yeah there um, is that. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're, yeah, you, what you've made is it Cedric and Mari permanent as well and yeah. it does seem strange that, well, I mean, I think it made a lot of sense at the start of the summer or whatever you want to call it, spring, when you were first linked with him. Mm. Now it seems strange having made those other decisions and decided to keep Louise. Yeah, but, and um, when you've got an injured Mustafi that you probably can't sell due to that injury and you've got Callum Chambers Rob holding on the books and Socrates who's essentially said, I don't, you know, I may not play, but I'm quite happy to stick around for another season. <laughs> it just seems like a bit of a, a so weird yeah, one. Take- Take all those things into account, and it's strange that you're linked. But mm. if just on paper, I think he's an excellent centre back, and I think he he'd have done very well for you. Yeah, and yeah, certainly, if I was an Arsenal fan, I would much rather see Gabriel and Saliba lining up together than. <laughs> it would be, be exciting. Twenty-two and a nineteen-year-old potentially future of France and Brazil at centre half wouldn't be too bad, would it? But uh, yeah, I, I guess I guess we will see. Um, just checking the, the rosters, by the way, you're absolutely right. It was 2018 he went to Zagreb, so I'm, I'm a year behind. I feel like I've lost a year of life. It's really quite strange. Um, and um, and just, just to sort of wrap up this this week, um, Phil, is, is there any any potential thought process you have behind your club? Because I always like to, to check in with you guys. I'm going to ask Jess the same about I... Mets, but any thoughts on Montpellier's season ahead? Uh, no idea, because we still have to work out who's who and where at the moment i think i just uh, noticing that uh, psg have won their warm-up friendly match uh, yes. ahead of the champions league uh, away trip against social uh, true promoting with the 
only goal of the game, I believe basically none of the first team turned up, so that's interesting. God bless him, yeah. Yeah, yes, they did indeed win. Um, yeah, so, so, so you're, in terms of Montpellier, not particularly... I, I, I wait until the, the team photo turns up and then work out what the hell... Who's left, yeah. Yeah, the it's because we, we, are, we are pretty much a selling team because... Of, many situations including financial yeah and so it just makes me sad the way the world is um and jez are you are you sad or are you enthused they're, they're still holding back these kappa kits aren't they they're still refusing to release them um but yeah are you on the seventh or eighth i can't remember which one yeah i think i think it was the eighth i think i saw you yeah but um are you are you quite uh is, is it basically another season where Mets just need to look to survive essentially that, that that's got to be the the goal you would think Pretty much. I mean, I think people are looking for progress and I think the club's in, in a good place at the moment. We're having a new stand built. We've got a decent training facility now. We've signed, um, we, I think we made a couple of good signings. We've got a few flair players in good form. My concern is whether we've got a reliable goal scorer, mm. but generally feeling more confident than I have since 1999. <laughs> Um, <laughs> way back <laughs> but um yeah i would still yeah looking looking to progress from last year um, yeah certainly we finished the, the 2020 was really good and we were sort of upwardly mobile and may well have been looking to finish higher than 15th but um yeah. i'm hoping there won't be any relegation concerns next year but we've yeah. got a horrific first five matches so i'm just hoping that our confidence isn't shot by September. Yeah, it's not the easiest start, is it, on paper? Definitely not. But um, new stand does look nice. I've been following the Instagram post, so that does look quite uh, quite plush. So that'll be quite fun to visit. Um, I'm glad that both of you um, have come to terms and, and accepted the fact that L'Oreal will finish ahead of both of your sides. I'm, I'm pleased that you've accepted that. And no, I, feel that I we can did all move not on now, say so. that. I mean, um, you, you all implied it. I mean, I well, we, really, we, we have one more cup final to go. Yes. Yeah, because um, it was the Coupe de France feminine semi-finals at the weekend. The final is on Sunday. The final will be Lyon versus PSG, which I think all of us would have bet on beforehand. But the way they got there was not as you might have expected. Um, in the first semi-final... Um, it was Nikita Paris who got the only goal as Lyon won away at Dangon. So, not the uh, silly nil scoreline I was expecting. And in the other game, uh, Bordeaux actually took the lead against PSG through Cachesnes. I'm hoping I've said that right. Uh, before PSG equalised through Irina Paredes. Uh, she's a centre-back, so obviously it was a towering header from the corner. The corner put in by Nadia Nadine, who also hit the post with a free kick. But it took a late winner, 84 minutes, from Signe Brun, uh, a substitute, to uh, win it for PSG. So neither of them had their usual walkover. Um, to get to the final. So that's on Sunday at 8 o'clock your time, 9 o'clock mine. Look out for it. It may well be on YouTube or something somewhere, but as ever, when OL played PSG in the women's game, it's cracking. It should be much more uh, much more entertaining than the Coupe de la Ligue final. Yeah, so, um, and that's before both of them go off on their 
uh, away trip to Bilbao for the Champions League, uh, where we've got um, from the 21st to the 30th of August, so kind of the last 10 days of August, because obviously Arsenal are playing PSG in the quarterfinal, OL are playing Bayern, and the winner of those two will play each other. So they can't meet in the final again this year. Uh, they'll meet in the semi-final, if at all. The other quarterfinals are Glasgow versus Wolfsburg. That's clearly a Wolfsburg win. And Atleti, Atletico Madrid versus Barcelona, which, of course, uh, during the season, I think, broke the record for the record attendance at a women's club match. So that should be fabulous as well. Again, sad there won't be fans there, but that should be a great game as well. So the Coupe de France final on Sunday before they both head off to the Champions League final tournament. And they'll be playing each other again. Yes. So very interesting uh, games to come on that front as well. It's all uh, it's all go in in the men and women's games in terms of the resumation, if you will. Um, but uh, yeah, we will of course keep a very close eye on what happens in the Champions League games with PSG and Lyon. Uh, no interest, obviously, in the Europa League any further. Um, other than looking yeah. at maybe who wins it and who qualifies for it again. Um, there was actually a, a completely sort of slightly off topic, but in the Europa League, um, it was nil-nil in the 90th minute between Wolfsburg and Shakhtar Donetsk, and Shakhtar Donetsk won 3-0. <laughs> um, that, that's quite a, that. quite a last-minute turnaround yeah. in terms of that. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see who who the French teams, because I, we'll, I guess we'll get the draws quite early this year in terms oh, of God, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's going to be so weird that as soon as the Champions League winners and the Europa League winners are crowned you're going to be looking at the draws for who's next so um, yeah I'm, I'm sure we'll, we'll keep abreast of, of who the French sides get in terms of those draws um, when they're announced so yes okay I think that will do us for this week then uh, just a quick gentle plug to maybe if you are a fan of French football which if you're listening to this podcast I hope you are otherwise you've probably been quite bored for an hour but um, if indeed you are a close follower of French football there is a documentary on Amazon Prime no Netflix Netflix um, about yeah, Nicolas really, really. yeah we are because you know we, we, you, we, I, I think it'll be worth a watch have you have you had chance to see it Jez have you have you watched it already because it's released today no but i think he's a fucking racist prick and apparently the canal in the documentary he says it was really it was directed at steve clark um really? so his good mate Dieudonner, who's a well-known rabid racist does this canal he does it he claims that he had no idea what it means and now he's claiming that it's directed at steve clark he can go fuck himself Maybe don't watch it. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't. I hadn't seen any of this at all. Chris, I think there's some backstory here, which is extremely heavily contextual. Yes. And what a certain person might say about their own actions is not necessarily valid. Or yeah. Maybe, not necessarily um, something you should take without looking at that other context. Maybe avoid um, specific uh, parts or, or um, pieces of said documentary. Um, I, I'm quite interested just to sort of see the the initial, particularly the Clairefontaine element of the story. Uh, I don't know whether that, I don't even know if that has actually been covered in said documentary. He also, he also denies that 
he told Dominic to go fuck himself, but he won't say what he did say. And on a sort of tangent, I have fewer problems with that, to be honest. Um, on a kind of tangent, I happened to listen to Avram Grant talking um, on, a, on some football panel yesterday, and he said that um, he was talking about what it takes to succeed at the highest level, and he said that Drogba would have was ready to kill to sort of score goals and win matches, whereas mm. Anelka didn't give a shit. Yeah, interesting, <laughs> interesting. Um, one thing's for sure, it, it sounds like this is going to divide people right down the middle. So, yes, um, but uh, yeah, well, there you go. Um, I, I must admit, I hadn't, I haven't been aware of what had come out from it yet. So that certainly, uh, certainly caught my attention. To be fair, it didn't need to come out from it. Like, no, it, it happened way back when. when... His, his views have always been questionable. I think it's fair to say that. Um, definitely, even back. To well, his face. explanation of the whole canal thing has always been the same. Yeah, and uh, utterly unconvincing from my point of view. And so. Essentially, cost him that part of his career, didn't it? They was essentially fired, wasn't he, for for said gesture? So well. Yes, if you believe what what you well, you believe what you choose, I guess. But uh, but there you go. Watch it with either open or closed eyes, um, or not at all. But um, yeah, it, it's it's something French football orientated. If you so choose to partake, but uh, we should be back next week anyway. Well, we won't be discussing that, but we will be looking back uh, at particularly the Lyon game and the PSG game, which I believe is on the twelfth, if I'm not yes. mistaken, which is indeed a Wednesday. So we no, the, we yeah. We may be. We may before then. Before then, maybe we could be before then. Yes, I mean e either. The only thing I'm thinking is if we we've kind of previewed it tonight. So either way, we'll either be back beforehand to to further preview. Based we're on we're French football intermittently, as we've said previously. We we shall, we'll cover it one way or the other. <laughs> we'll cover it. We'll certainly cover Leon this time next week. So um, those of you that are tuning in from from Leon, if you could please make it a bit better than the Coupe de France, uh, Coupe de la Ligue final, that would be great. Thanks, appreciate that. Um, but that will be the big one to, to cover next week. Uh, obviously, we're reliant upon you guys and girls that are tuning in. So if you do have any questions that you want us to cover, please do. We'll probably start to preview the upcoming Liga season in the coming weeks as well. I think we'll probably start to just, uh, just, just start to look at some of the clubs um, involved and start to to have a look at the squads because, you know, we haven't got a lot of time, let's be honest. So we'll probably start to preview those as well. So if there is any questions you've got, do let us know. But uh, that'll do it for this week. Many thanks to uh, both Phil and to Jez for joining me. Thank you both for your time. Thank you. No problem. And uh, yeah, as I say, at some point next week, we shall be back and uh, we'll be talking all things Leon, I would imagine, quite heavily. So until then, uh, enjoy your French football and we will speak to you very soon.